When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And holy schmoly, we're really going to be talking today about how to make your business successful. As in, wait, where's my, here's my visual aid. It's all about making money, folks. You know, even if you are a nonprofit, you are not a no profit. But we're going to be talking today about how small business owners can really take steps to make the big money and get the clients that we really want and we really deserve. And, and how to, to bridge that gap between being the, oh, I'm just going to barely break even to, okay, I'm doing really, really well. So please join me in welcoming Christian Binock to our program today. Welcome, Christian. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Deb. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I am too, because, you know, I'm one of those people that would like to make that leap. Um, so it's going to be so fun to hear some of the tactics and strategies that you have to share with us. So let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we'll dive into this. So Christian Binock is the Principal and Chief Growth Officer of Christian Binock LLC, a business development and growth consultancy that helps award-winning marketing agencies and MarTech companies predictably land six- and seven-figure opportunities with companies such as Heineken, Signet Jewelers, and Chipotle. A lifelong entrepreneur, Christian started a concert promotion and experiential marketing agency in high school and would grow it to over 10 million in sales. Holy schmoly. There he worked with Grammy Award winning artists like Lady Gaga and Pitbull and brands such as Disney and Toyota. Outside work, Christian is a devoted dad, a health and wellness enthusiast, and aspiring competitive pickleball 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 player there we go i got it right that time um so again christian welcome how are you doing today doing very very well it is a nice and cold um day here in chicago but um it is warm inside so i'm excited for the conversation perfect i love it well i always like to know from my guests how they got to where they are today because you have had quite the career already and I just, you know, it's I find it very interesting to know how my guests got to where they are today and how you discovered that this is your passion in life. Yeah, well, great. Well, um, again, thank you for having me. But you know, I have always been entrepreneurial. Uh, I guess my first high school. Bit, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even before high school, you know, I was the kid in the neighborhood that was uh, mowing everybody's lawn mm-hmm. and going door to door and uh, somehow convinced my parents to, you know, go out and buy some uh, lawn equipment so I could take this on enterprise a little bit further. Uh-huh. Well, that's really where it kind of first started. You know, even probably before that, I was buying and selling baseball cards and, you know, and and doing it kind of, uh, you know, after school with the with the kids. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, where the the business really started, uh, you know, that was a nice kind of way to, you know, make some extra money in high school and whatnot. But, um. What happened for me was I kind of the story and how I started my my business was I was going to teen dance clubs and concerts uh, in the area. Mm-hmm. And while I, I had fun at those, I saw really an opportunity uh, that 
uh, was being unmet. The, the, the music at that time was really changing and evolving, but mm-hmm. those nightclubs that we were going to, the mm-hmm. teen nightclubs and concerts, you know, weren't really evolving with it. Mm-hmm. So I gathered a group of friends together and we rented out a banquet hall and we booked all the DJs that we thought were cool. And mm-hmm. we went from, you know, school to school and promoted in the malls and all of that. And, um, we threw an event uh, at, at this local banquet hall and uh, it actually went over phenomenally well. Uh, we made some money, uh, met a lot of people and um, decided, you know, wow, let's do another one of these. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how my initial business started was uh, started mm-hmm. off in banquet halls in the Chicago suburbs. And um, I went away to college then. And mm-hmm. that then eventually grew into bigger and bigger events mm-hmm. where we were doing, you know, large scale concerts. Mm-hmm. Um Along the way, um, I got involved with um, experiential marketing. So mm-hmm. I got uh, approached actually by an agency that's, you know, recognized our concert promotion capabilities and said, you know what, we have this um, promotional event, we need some help putting up posters. And that mm-hmm. was something we were doing for our own concert. Mm-hmm. So right. we had the team to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they came to me and they were paying me like 10 times what I normally would get paid. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. for um, some big corporate company. So I was like, wow, this is interesting um, that we can get paid to do what we normally do um, a lot more money. Mm-hmm. So um, that ended up um, growing into that activation went well. We started doing more, uh, more and more of those. And then the light bulb went on in my head and saying, well, why are we working with these agencies? Um, why don't we go right to the source? Right. Um, so then we started to try to get into the big companies. And eventually we were working with, like you had mentioned, Disney and Toyota and some you know other large organizations. Mm-hmm. So the, the business, you know, really grew to a point where, you know, it was our own concerts and events with big artists, like you had mentioned. And then we had this other side of the house, which was more experiential marketing for these big corporate companies. Uh, and that's how things went along really well for me. I mean, I think from the first event that I did um, at that banquet hall, um, 15 years later, um, I was still doing these events and everything mm-hmm. was great. Um, but where things started to get bumpy was the recession uh, in 2008. Right. 2008. Got a little, yeah, people people went, ooh, can't spend money. Yes, exactly. And, you know, a, like, a lot of the clients that I'm advising now, I did not really have a sales process. Um, I just did good work. People found me mm-hmm. and that was that. So mm-hmm. I couldn't rely on that anymore. So mm-hmm. I ended up going out and hiring a sales consultant that came in and really evaluated my business and mm-hmm. gave me you know, a lot of training into sales and marketing. And um, it really opened my eyes up to things. And mm-hmm. I kind of struggled along still for a couple of years. There was a lot of things going on personally in my life. And I was just ready for a change. So mm-hmm. after a couple of years, I ended up closing down my business. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to work at advertising and marketing agencies mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. business development role, mm-hmm. taking what I learned as a business owner, as well as what I learned from that consultant. And I spent then about 10 years um, working at various agencies, independent agencies, holding company agencies, um, and really found though along the way that my superpower, if you will, was really getting into those big corporate companies, um, you know, the Fortune 500 Mm -hmm. type companies. And Everybody, not I'm say everybody, but most people find the pitch and the clothes, you know, um, very sexy. Um, I, well, I like that, you know, mm-hmm. I found that getting your foot in the door in the first Wait, place, the, the scary hunt, part. Yeah. For a lot of people, it is. Mm-hmm. But for me, I enjoyed it. It was the hunt. The chase is mm-hmm. really what I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really where I kind of carved out a niche for myself and added a lot of value to the companies I worked with. And then we'll kind of fast forward to the pandemic, you know, 2020. Uh, and uh, businesses were going out of business. People were closing. There's a lot of scariness, as everybody can remember. Uh, and it felt like deja vu all over mm-hmm. again through that 2008 recession. The difference here was instead of me feeling like I needed a consultant to help me, I felt like I was now that consultant mm-hmm. that could right. go and help others. Mm-hmm. So that became the genesis for the idea of starting the business that I have now. Uh, and I ended up leaving that agency uh, and forming the company that I have now. And mm-hmm. um, now, two years later, we're working with a, a lot of really great, mm-hmm. you know, small businesses, a lot, mostly advertising and marketing, uh, MarTech type companies, mm-hmm. uh, and helping them, you know, get their foot in the door with those big corporate companies. Right. right. You know, and and I love that story. You know, and I talk to a lot of people on the program about how to do sales. And things like, and and it's funny because anytime you talk sales, people make the face, right? Ew, I don't want to do sales. Ah, ooh, uh. You know, and, and the, the sad thing is a lot of times we've had a bad experience with it, mm. you know, and, and you were fortunate enough to work with someone who gave you good advice and, and motivated you and, and things like that. And 
But what I, you know, what I really love is that, you know, way back when you were little, you, you just went forward. You know, you never saw obstacles. And so, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things is, you know, we all have that little voice in our head that's either saying, go for it, or, oh my God, you're stupid. Don't do that. (laughs) And, and so how do we get past the little voice that is telling us don't do that to go for it? Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was an easy answer to that. You know, I, aside from just flipping the little person, you know, flip them off your shoulder there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think for me, you know, it's just been something like I, I enjoy the challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see these as problems. I see them as opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I, maybe it's my parents that grew, you know, that kind of raised me that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just my own experiences that I had, uh, you know, and, and I can't say that it's like that with everything that I do. Yeah. There are certain things that mm-hmm. pop up that I still get, you know, struggle with, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I really, it, it boils down to trying to have confidence in yourself mm-hmm. and, and belief that in yourself that you can accomplish, um, whatever you set out to do. Right. Uh, and some things are going to come easier, mm-hmm. you know, than others, but, uh, you know, I can use a story, um, just recently that, that happened to me. And I, as you had mentioned, I'm a, an aspiring competitive pickleball player. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't started, say it, but we knew what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I started six months ago. Um, you know, I have, you know, advanced pretty quickly, I would mm-hmm. say, but I joined my first tournament on uh, this ah. past weekend. And, um, I was very excited to mm-hmm. you know, now really kind of test. I've certainly played against other mm-hmm. people, but not in a tournament setting. Right. Um, I will admit I lost every single match in the tournament, Mm -hmm. but you did it, but I did it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's two ways that you can look at it. You know, Mm -hmm. should I be disappointed um, Mm -hmm. and consider quitting? Maybe I'm not as Mm -hmm. good as I thought I was or advanced as I was. Maybe this isn't the sport for me, Mm -hmm. or do I see this as an opportunity Mm -hmm. that a learning curve of, you know, this is what I need to do to get to the next Mm -hmm. level. And and what, you know, what are the positives can I take Mm -hmm. from it? And, and I'm taking the the positives Mm -hmm. there, but I think there are, different ways to look at the same, you know, the whole, you know, is the glass half full or half mm-hmm. empty? Uh, you know, and I just know that if I put my mind to something, you know, I will figure out a way mm-hmm. to get it done. Right. So, and I encourage, you know, everybody to, mm-hmm. to, to take, take that tape, mm-hmm. try to take that same mentality mm-hmm. to whatever you're doing, business or personal. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I, there's one of my favorite memes and it floats across on Facebook every once in a while. And it's, you know, people are missing the point. The glass isn't half full or half empty. It's refillable. And and I love that because it really is the, you know, no matter what you're seeing, how are you going to learn and build from that? Um, you know, and, and that really is the, the thing, you know, if you get told no, figure out why, you know, if you lose the match, okay, do you need a different coach? Do you need a coach? I mean, you know, and, you know, all of these things. And, and I think as, especially when we're starting out in, in business, we take the nose so personal and, you know, and, and especially when this business is our baby, it's what we're pouring our life into. And somebody says, nah, Christian, not, you know, or they don't even return your calls or, or respond to your emails. Right. And you're like, oh my God, you know, it, it, but, but as you said, it's about having that courage and figuring out, okay, maybe they don't like email. Maybe they need a different pitch, you know, all of those various things. Yeah. Yeah, I would say a couple other things to add on to that. Mm-hmm. You know, one is trying to detach yourself from the outcome. Uh, I think that's been key for me as well. And the other thing is to enjoy, you know, the it's related, but enjoying the journey. Uh, right. You know, it's not necessarily about winning the pickleball tournament, mm-hmm. um, but it's the enjoyment of, mm-hmm. you know, the training, the right. camaraderie of meeting mm-hmm. other people, the, mm-hmm. the going to the tournament, the exploration, mm-hmm. like, and I think it's the same thing in business. It's not just about landing the client. It's about enjoying the day-to-day of, you know, creating your business and everything else that goes into it as well. So, mm-hmm. because if you're not enjoying the journey, I hate to break it to you, but you're not going to, you right. know, enjoy the outcome at the end right. either. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to get over the the fact of no is bad. Um, you know, it, it is. It's just no is a learning thing. And and I tell people, you know, the worst that's going to happen is they tell you no. The best that's going to happen is they tell you yes. Um, you know, I've started a, a new business venture based on dealing with my life um, uh, in post-cancer. And, you know, and, and how we're kind of building a community and all sorts of things. And And so I was reaching out to potential business partners. Total cold calls. 
Now, I mean, it, it is, I've done cold calls knocking on doors. Oh God, I hate those. But you know, when you're just emailing somebody, it's really, you know, it's not too painful. Um, and so I contacted this one company just through their contact us page on their website. I mean, you know, and said, Hey, you know, do you have an affiliate program? Here's what I'm doing. Blah, blah, blah. Next day, I got an email from the president. Now, it is a small company. I mean, it's not like I was reaching out to, say, a Heineken, you know, and the president responded. But, you know, it's and and of course, what he told me, he said, you know, we we obviously want to explore this. My mom died of cancer, you know, and and so I had that personal thing in there. But, you know, at the very least, I was going to get ignored. Okay, you know, that happens. But I had to take that step in order to go further with this partnership. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think what's what's also key, you know, for putting this more in the lens of business is looking at it and what can you give a value back right. before mm-hmm. you're asking for anything mm-hmm. of value back from them. And mm-hmm. and I think that's been key from a sales standpoint. I mean, if you mm-hmm. really believe in your product or your service and it can solve a problem, mm-hmm. and you almost have a responsibility to try to get that right. service out there, mm-hmm. uh, that product or service. Um, and, and if you're, you know, if you're not confident in what you're offering, then it does make it a lot mm-hmm. more challenging because then you do feel like, oh, I'm annoying this person or, uh, uh, you know, you're not worthy of it. But if you have something that you really believe mm-hmm. is great, uh, you know, you you have every right and you should be mm-hmm. knocking on their door and trying to get it right. in front of them. Because and it's you their really loss if they say no. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and 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 if they don't say no, it doesn't necessarily mean that your product service is any, right. you know, less valuable. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, you, it just means that they're maybe they're not the right timing mm-hmm. um, or there may not be the right person, you know, for that. So there's a variety of reasons, uh, you know, but I think, you know, it, as long as you feel confident in, in what you're doing and you can mm-hmm. you really feel like you're solving, you know, a problem, you know, that somebody's mm-hmm. experiencing, then, uh, you know, I think by by all means, you should be, you know, exploring that and trying to reach out to them. Right. right. You know, and one of the things that is absolutely critical and, and you know, you've got this on your website and on, on you know, the, the notes you sent us in advance is you have to have your ducks in a row before you reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I had reached out to that person and said, Hey, I'm doing this new business thing. You want to be part of it? <laughs> I really would have had no response, but because I was able to say, we're going to do this and this and this, then he could focus on here's why we need to say yes or no. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the hardest things, especially when we're starting out in business is finding our niche. So talk to us more about why that is so absolutely important as opposed to I'm going to solve the world's problems. Why do we need to, to have a niche or a niche yeah. or however we're going to say that word? Yeah, I don't know. I never know how to pronounce that either. But um, no, 100% agree. I think especially when you're starting off, you know, you, you can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure we've all been on the receiving end of things. And it's just things that seem irrelevant, you know, to to you, and you you ignore those things. Right. So, you know, when we're working with clients, one of the first things that we do is um, we first try to again, like I started to talk about the problem, like what are mm-hmm. the problems that you're solving, mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out, okay, who is experiencing those problems, mm-hmm. and you want to, you know, we believe there, you know, the niches are in the riches. There's a lot of you mm-hmm. know cliches and, and sayings that are out there, um, but you can really start to speak their language and mm-hmm. understand their pain points that they're experiencing. Experiencing, mm-hmm. uh, you can start to create content, uh, sales, and marketing collateral that really speaks to them. And mm-hmm. if you're then on the receiving end of something like that, it's just going to resonate with you a, a lot better. Like mm-hmm. you, okay, you get my world. You know, you're you know mm-hmm. where we're coming from. We're speaking the same language mm-hmm. there. Um, and it sounds like you know, in, in your case, that's you know what you did. You know, you didn't blindly just send a you know a, mm-hmm. a message to anybody. Like you had done some research into mm-hmm. thinking that this is going to be a good fit. You know, for you. Um, mm-hmm. So you in in many ways niche down. Um, for us, you know, in our company, uh, while we do work with a lot of different types of companies, mm-hmm. our primary focus is with advertising agencies and mark mm-hmm. tech companies. And mm-hmm. the reason, you know, being is, you know, we create our content, we understand the pain points mm-hmm. that those agencies are experiencing. Um, we can speak their language. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, you know, from a sales and marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. we can build a list um, uh, of prospects mm-hmm. uh, that 
we want to target. We can run ads against those those mm-hmm. prospects. So we can show up and continually be in front of them. Now, if we tried to boil the ocean and go after everybody, you know, we would we would not be able to create sales and marketing messaging that would resonate with all of, with mm-hmm. everybody. In addition, we wouldn't, you know, how do you where do you even begin? There's so many businesses, mm-hmm. you know, that are out there. You know, where do you even begin marketing and and, and trying to reach them? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really encourage you know think about where do you have a story to tell? Like, had you have past experience working, Mm -hmm. you know, with those types of companies in the past and that, in that industry or that size of company, there's a lot of different varieties of ways to look at, you know, how to niche down. We can talk Mm -hmm. about that maybe in a second. Um, So where do you have some, maybe some past experience? Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you have a passion as well? You know, where, where, where are you for me? Maybe Mm -hmm. pickleball is something I should be exploring since it's a passion of mine. You never know. know, you never know, right? It's definitely but, one of those things that a lot of people are getting into. So that gives you a connection with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, where do you have that? Because you have to have a story to tell, because mm-hmm. even if you were to land that meeting, for example, mm-hmm. with that big client or any client, um, you need to back it up. And if mm-hmm. and if you've never worked in their you know sector before, right. it, it's going to be a much bigger leap mm-hmm. to try to convince them to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I definitely think that that is one of the big keys uh, is is trying to figure out pick a lane and and stick to the lane and and try your best to kind of penetrate that. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get to a certain scale and size um, and you're having track record of success, you can start to look at what are some maybe adjacent type categories. So, okay. you know, for us, we really actually started with just advertising and marketing mm-hmm. agencies. Now we're thinking about, you know, it's, it, we are, you know, expanding into more MarTech companies. So they're mm-hmm. still advertising and marketing related, right. but they're more mm-hmm. on the tech side. Mm-hmm. And then for the future, what we see ourselves, okay, so now we'll have more tech experience. How do we go after other tech companies that right. maybe aren't in the marketing space? Mm-hmm. So it's an evolution, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a story, a connective thread to go mm-hmm. through each of those. But that might be a couple of years, you know, or more down the road for us um, until we've really exploited, you know, as much as we can this, this particular mm-hmm. sector. Right. You know, and, and it's, it is scary when we tell people you need to niche down because people are thinking we're leaving money on the table. Yeah. But, you know, if you're not speaking specific enough so people know this is why I need to work with you, that money is never even going to make it to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And we get this type of pushback as well, where they're mm-hmm. really scared to pick a lane because they mm-hmm. think then that, that they're going to lose, you know, all of these other opportunities. And, um, you know, one thing that I'll say is, you're still going to get opportunities that that come to you. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just your more proactive sales and marketing efforts need to be focused because you don't have mm-hmm. li- you have a limited resources. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean people aren't going to come to your website. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that other people are going to find you at networking events and your personal connections and things like that are going to happen. And you know, very rarely have I ever seen you know somebody a, a personal connection say, "Well, I was on your website and it only says you work with advertising and marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. We don't want to work with you." Right. That generally, you know, doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So, uh, you know, so just keep in mind and and keep in mind too. This is not if you are working with a lot of different clients. We're also not saying go and fire all those other clients. Right. Mm-hmm. Continue to work with them, but again from your more proactive marketing mm-hmm. and sales efforts, you know, you need to focus there. And then over time, you're going to build up that roster. And yes, slowly but surely, some of those other clients may fall mm-hmm. away. Um, so I would really argue that you're not leaving any money on the table because like to your point, you wouldn't have had that money. Otherwise, right. you're going to, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to, there's far more to gain there is mm-hmm. to lose from this approach. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and sometimes it is beneficial to tell them no. You know, yeah. and and say, hey, you know, it's it's not a good fit. But I always like to then say, here's who I can refer you to. Sure. Um, you know, because then you make everybody happy. And, and you know, and, and that's the the key is, you know, that that company is going to remember. Okay, you know, we weren't able to work with Deb, but she referred to us a to, to referred to a, a great person for us. And but I remember that. And, and so the next time they're thinking, hey, who do we, you know, they remember me and they're like, okay, well, now I've got a good match for Deb. Um, you know, and, and then the, obviously the, the whoever you refer to is going to be happy, especially if it works out. But, um, you know, and, and at, when we get caught up in the, we have to take every single client thing, it, you know, it's, it is definitely a trap because what happens is if you're not 100% bought into it, for whatever reason, you're not going to give 100% work. And, you know, do you really want to be doing 
work that is just kind of eh. Yeah. No, I would definitely agree with that. I think one of the and it's tough as a small business mm-hmm. owner, right? Because you got to keep the lights on. Right. And yeah. And you're thinking, I got to. And sometimes uh, you're right. We have to say, okay, we're going to take that client. Yeah. But I think the best way around that is to have, you know, a sales and marketing an effort. So if you have a full pipeline, mm-hmm. you have the confidence that you can say, you know what? I don't need to sacrifice and work right. with somebody who's not a great mm-hmm. fit because I know that there are 10 other prospects that are mm-hmm. in our pipeline and I can mm-hmm. be much more selective in, you know, who I work with. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're not doing sales and marketing efforts, and you know, you're just kind of relying on what comes through the door, you you may be put yourself in a vulnerable situation where you know, you have to take whatever it happens to Mm -hmm. be. So, um, you know, we we talk with a lot of clients now that are like, Oh, yeah, we're doing really well, you know, but they are, you know, they think they're doing well, but they Mm -hmm. are unfortunately having to take on a lot of those clients that aren't Mm -hmm. great fits. Um, however, if they were to work with a firm like ours or even do things internally, like we advise them mm-hmm. to do, they, again, they could be more selective right. and, you know, start to then work with some bigger clients mm-hmm. that are going to be a better long-term fit mm-hmm. for them. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the important thing is, you know, do you want to have the onesie, twosie, onesie, twosie, onesie, twosie clients, a lot of those, or the big clients where you spend a lot now, you know, you do have to watch that because, you know, we all know you don't ever want to put all your eggs in that one basket. Um, I worked for a marketing agency when I was starting out. Great place. You know, I, I loved it. We we had several very long-term clients and we had one that was about 45% of our business. Hmm. He'd been with us a real long time. They got a new director of marketing who did not like us. <laughs> and more importantly, wanted to bring in his own team. And so we got fired. You know, and when you lose forty five percent of your business, that's a hit. Um, you know, and 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 it's it is hard because we've got those favorite clients, right? You know, and and we can focus on them. Okay, just know that it's almost like you're an employee. You know, you've put everything there. What happens if that goes away? And and so yeah, you need a, a plan if that happens. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say that's that's kind of the reverse side of things. Like it it may sound like a, a great. Um, situation to have a big client, but you put yourself in a very vulnerable situation. Mm-hmm. You know, we call it a gorilla client. Right. Um, you really want to avoid having any client make up 20 or more percent mm-hmm. of your revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, it's, you know, 10% or less, because mm-hmm. then if you were to, if they were to move on, um, you know, you the business keeps rolling. But when you lose somebody that's 45%, ah. um, that that's not good. You're, mm-hmm. you're most likely doing layoffs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but similarly, again, you, again, you may be thinking, oh, well, I'm great. I have this one mm-hmm. client. They're paying me all this money. They're Heineken. And then I have mm-hmm. some smaller clients. Um, I would not rest on your laurels at that point. Mm-hmm. You, you still, you know, need to be out there and right. you need to start, you know, leveling mm-hmm. that off and get your next, you mm-hmm. know, big client. Right. So now, you know, you can split that. Mm-hmm. Now they're only 20%. Then you got to right. get the next one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a constant, you know, battle, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, you know, but it's, um, it's in, it's important. Uh, it's really important to think, kind of have that long term vision of where you want to go and, and keep that pipeline full. Right, right. You know, and it, it's it really is. You know, if you've got that situation where you've got the one biggie and you know several, okay, then maybe it's time that you get you know a more staff, you know, something along so that that they can help you develop and and have you know so that you are just expanding. And as you said, so that that thirty percent client. Now is ten because you brought on additional clients. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And you, you know, I think depending on the stage of where you're at in business, uh, you know, if you're, you know, one, two, three, four, five people, maybe, you know, the, more than likely the the new business and sales function probably falls on the owner or the founder mm-hmm. to right. do. Um, but once you start to get a larger in size, maybe mm-hmm. you're in ten person range. That's mm-hmm. when you really should start looking at you know, bringing out outside, mm-hmm. you know, resources, whether mm-hmm. that's an internal hire or like an outside outsource mm-hmm. type of firm, um, because you're just going to need to grow. Um, and it's, it's difficult, you know, you may be stuck working too much in the business than, you know, on the business. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, definitely, uh, you know, you, it, there's going to become a point, uh, depending on where you're at, where you're going to need to bring in some uh, outside resources mm-hmm. to help, you know, keep that pipeline full. Right. right. You know, it, it was funny when I was reading through the, the materials, one of the first things that I was thinking, you know, we talk about the little voice that is there, you know, and, and you know, the, the little voice that says, you know, you're not big enough, you're not, you know, not all of those things. How do you deal with that? Because I'm, that's going to be probably one of the first things that people say is, 
Sure, having a six or seven figure client, more than one, is good, but I'm not big enough Hmm. to deal with that. How do you, what do you tell those folks? Yeah. Um, I think it boils down to what we started talking about a little bit before is Mm -hmm. um, having a problem that you can solve, Mm -hmm. having a niching down as Mm -hmm. well. And then being able to offer a unique perspective mm-hmm. on how to solve that problem. Right. Cause you're right. If you are a generalist that, um, you know, I can do, I'll use examples from, from my world, right? We can, mm-hmm. we do all types of marketing, mm-hmm. right? And we can do them for all types of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we don't really have any strong point of view mm-hmm. on any one way to do it. You know, we can but just we, do it all. Mm-hmm. We just do it all, right? You're right. Heineken doesn't want, doesn't need that. They have mm-hmm. other agencies that can do that. Now, right. think about it from niching down standpoint where, mm-hmm. you know, you potentially um, can solve a specific problem on, let's say, you know, how to target Gen Z consumers, right? Mm-hmm. You have a very interesting perspective on mm-hmm. how to do that for people that are in the alcohol and beer space. Ah, that is pretty specific. So now you're very specific. Mm-hmm. And if you're Heineken, yeah, you have access to a lot of different agencies. But if you have that problem mm-hmm. of trying to connect with Gen Z, it doesn't matter to you whether that's a five-person company or mm-hmm. a 5,000-person company. Right. If they can solve that one specific mm-hmm. problem that you have, they're willing to work with you. Mm-hmm. But you're right. If if the, all things to all people, they are not going to pay attention to something mm-hmm. like that. They have other people that have a if a uh, other agencies that they could work mm-hmm. with, other companies they could work with that have a bigger track record and more mm-hmm. resources and might be a safer bet right. for working with um, those types of companies. But a very specific challenge mm-hmm. to a very specific audience. And and the, the other layer I'll throw on there that I mentioned is having a point of view on that. So again, if your solution is just the same thing that everybody else is going to say and do, probably not that interesting. But if you have something unique to add and a different kind of way to do it, mm-hmm. that's going to get the attention of these big companies. And right. I can tell you a lot of our clients, you know, we work with agencies that are maybe five to 10 people mm-hmm. on up to, you know, several hundred people. Mm-hmm. And we, and a lot of our clients that are in that smaller category, you know, are working with those, those big companies mm-hmm. as well. Um, but they have what I've just talked mm-hmm. about the problem, the offer, as well as the niche. Right. Right. Yeah, and then the the other little voice that that I hear, you know, is the the little voice saying, "How the heck do you even start? How do you figure out who you need to reach out to at those companies?" I mean, it was a fluke. I I know it was a fluke that I sent in a customer service form and it ended or customer service request and it ended up at the president. That was you know, so it, that's the other thing is people are thinking, okay, I want to work with a big huge company. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So how do you get past that point? Yeah. Well, it starts with what we just talked about is, mm-hmm. is understanding really what the problem is, what mm-hmm. the who you can serve that for and having a mm-hmm. point of view. But let's say we have that now, right? We okay. know, you know, we know how to do Gen Z mm-hmm. marketing really well. We have, you know, some background in alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, you know, type of spirits. We have a point of view on it. But now you're, to your point, what do we mm-hmm. do now with that information? Um, I think, you know, the, the first step is then, you know, you really want to build a list and and think okay. about who is your who mm-hmm. is the market here. We mm-hmm. we've let's we'll stay on kind of the beer. Um, mm-hmm. I could use a beer, you know, right now. Um, I know it's it, Friday. It Friday. It's Friday the thirteenth as we record this. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so let's stick on that track, you know. But you know, making a list of you know what are all the beer and spirits brands you know that are out there mm-hmm. and. If you Google, you know, you know, strokes, right. and you can you can mm-hmm. pull up lists like that, you know, mm-hmm. very easily. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, you you now you know the companies you need to reach out mm-hmm. to, but now you need to figure out who are the right individuals mm-hmm. at those companies that I right. need to reach out to. Yeah, and sending again, in the customer service form is probably not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you never know though. You know, yeah. you use your, all your resources that mm-hmm. you have to you. Um, but you know, identifying then, okay, depending on your, you know, your service offering, who's the mm-hmm. right person. If you're in marketing, you know, who are the marketing people? If okay. you are in, you know, supply chain, you know, who mm-hmm. are the supply chain people? Mm-hmm. Um, and but where do you even find that information? Mm-hmm. And you know, for a company like ours, we have access to, you know, very expensive tools mm-hmm. that could do this very easily for us. However, you know, I know a lot of small businesses don't have that, but right. everybody's got a LinkedIn profile these mm-hmm. days. And, and you better have. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You can go to LinkedIn and you can 
go into Heineken's profile and you could search for marketers. And very easily with, again, even the free versions of, of these tools, you can start to identify who are the decision makers at these companies. Right. Who are and the you might C- already be connected to them in some way. Who knows? Right. right. You never know. You might be or someone you know, may, mm-hmm. you know might be. So you can use a free tool like LinkedIn to start figuring out who those right people are. So then once you know the companies, you know the people, you then need to actually start doing the outreach to them. Mm-hmm. So this is where for some people, this gets a little bit scary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I we find that uh, there's really three channels that you can that that are you know good outreach okay. channels. You have email, mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know there are also free tools that you mm-hmm. can use that will find the email addresses mm-hmm. of these folks. You can go on LinkedIn, use the free plugin like a Hunter.io, mm-hmm. and you can get their email address mm-hmm. free. Um, so that's one channel. Mm-hmm. Um, the phone is another, you know, channel mm-hmm. that you could you could pick up and call, and you could call Heineken's offices and ask mm-hmm. to speak to you know the prospect. So mm-hmm. that is another um, channel, and this is all public information mm-hmm. as well. And then you have LinkedIn. You're already on their LinkedIn profile. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you can send them a connection request. You can mm-hmm. send them uh, an email. So you have a way to get in touch with these folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you but before you want to reach out, you need to think through what are you going to say. Right? Yeah. The, if they respond, what the heck are you going to say? What are you going to What are you going to say? Because the reality is, these people are getting dozens, if not more, communications. Because everybody think about wants how to many work with we them. get every day. Yeah, yeah. And imagine now if you held mm-hmm. million dollar budgets at big companies, how many emails you would get. Mm-hmm. So you really want to think through. First of all, you want to personalize that message. Mm-hmm. Do not just do a copy and paste and send it off to everybody. We can. <laughs> everybody can smell that a mile away. Mm-hmm. It's an instant delete. They're not going to read it. You right. could have the greatest solution out there to their problem, but mm-hmm. if it just looks like a templated, you know, mass mm-hmm. email that went out to everybody, they're not going to open it. Mm-hmm. So do your due diligence and research these mm-hmm. prospects and these companies, and have a compelling reason for why you're reaching out mm-hmm. in the first place. Right then. You know, you're going to want to talk to them about, you know, what is the pain point? Get mm-hmm. right to it. Don't make it about me. Don't say, mm-hmm. you know, hi, I'm, you know, Christian and I own this type of company mm-hmm. and we do this. I don't and care. Sorry. <laughs> and we're located here. Like it's got to be of all about them. Mm-hmm. So just zero in like, hey, we've been doing some research in your company. We think you might be experiencing these types of problems. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a really interesting solution about how to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Is that something of interest mm-hmm. to you? So make it all about how there's a problem right. and you have a potential solution mm-hmm. about it. And the idea here is just to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. You are not going to sell a big company mm-hmm. on a cold one cold email. Right. You just want to generate a response from them, mm-hmm. see if there's some level of interest. Mm-hmm. If there is, then you can take it to the next level and get on a phone call with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you can't, you don't want it to be like a sales email. You want mm-hmm. it to sound like it's a human to human email. Mm-hmm. Like you would really write to a colleague of yours. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really the, the, the process, you know, mm-hmm. if you will. And the one thing I'll throw on there as well is it's not going to probably come from the first email. Right. Um, you really need to do a multi-channel approach. So mm-hmm. it may be an email, it may be a LinkedIn, it may mm-hmm. be a phone call right. and probably multiple of mm-hmm. them. We yeah, might usually- be responding to a lot of their LinkedIn posts, commenting on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think about it. How can you build a relationship with this individual? Right. Um, a virtual one and, mm-hmm. and and really take it from that perspective and and understand that this is a long game uh, and 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 I think if you go with that mentality and you you again you can solve a problem that they have and you're niched down and you have mm-hmm. the right strategy in place um you can definitely mm-hmm. break through to these organizations and right. it's not going to be a hundred percent of the companies mm-hmm. you reach out to it's going to be probably pretty low but you know mm-hmm. understanding that you might only get responses from, Three to five percent mm-hmm. of the people you reach out to. Um, however, you know, knowing if you those don't numbers, try, you get zero. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, but um, knowing that, you know, I think is powerful because if you're going into it expecting ninety percent of people to respond to you, and you're getting five percent, you might think you're a failure. But the reality is, if you're getting five percent, you're actually probably doing right. a really good job. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all in the perspective. Right, and and you're so right that it is about building that relationship and and that first communication. Um, you know, we get five, 10 pitches a week from people who want to be on the podcast. And, you know, we get ones that are <laughs> these, I don't get anywhere past just reading it in the preview pane. Mm-hmm. New speak, you know, new, you know, so-and-so new book now, uh, now accepting requests to be on podcasts. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. 
Um, but when I get someone like how you were pitched to us, it was one of your assistants. And the first thing he said was, I listened to your podcast and I like it. Then he said, listen to your interview with somebody. And he said something about that. So he clearly had spent at least five minutes listening to the program. Um, and then he said, I think that the, the gentleman I work for would be a great addition to your podcast. So that caught my interest um, because he, he, as you said, he had done his homework. You know, it wasn't just this it, and, and it, you know, it wasn't a, a cold pitch. He had worked it through. And like I said, spent a little bit of time. I mean, you know, who knows how long, but, um, you know, and, and when he said, hey, I listened to your interview with so-and-so and I really loved it when he said da-da-da-da-da. Right there, he had me hooked. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, those pitches go to the top of our list. You know, and, 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 you know, we, we get many from agencies. That's what they do. I mean, you know, they're, they're publicity people, they're PR folks. So they're pitching their clients. That's great. You know, and, and, and that's where we get, we still do get a majority of our guests, but those personal pitches go to the top. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's a good point. I, I know the, the kind of the topic of the day is really how to, you know, get into these big organizations, mm -hmm. but what we're talking about here is, you know, the same process that we're using to book for podcasts mm -hmm. uh, is the same process somebody can use to land a job. Mm -hmm. If you're on the job market, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're hiring right now and mm -hmm. I'm getting inundated with um, emails from mm -hmm. it's the same thing, like, you know, same message every time I'm applying for your job, mm -hmm. you know, at this, they've done no and heaven forbid they start with to whom it may concern. Right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, and I've gotten especially quite a few of in those. this day and age, right? Yeah. I mean, you you want a job here, you know, take a couple minutes just to spend on the website, find out what we even do mm -hmm. in the first place and, mm -hmm. you know, throw in there, you know, some of the value that you can provide. But um, it, it's just people are, are it's not we you want to take more of a quality based mm -hmm. approach than a quantity. And mm -hmm. yes, there's a balance, because if you mm -hmm. just plan on sending one email out, um, you, the, the volume is not there, but mm -hmm. don't think that you need to send out thousands of emails. You mm -hmm. know, you want to balance the two. Right. You're just going to see much better results. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this type of mentality, I mean, it, it's, you know, it can be used mm -hmm. in so many different ways. Um, you know, big companies, mm -hmm. small companies, getting a job, getting booked mm -hmm. on podcasts, um, you know, a variety of different things. Right. Yeah. And ultimately it saves you time. You know, you can send out the thousand pitches and hear back from nobody, or you can send out 10 where you spent more time and get a much better response rate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think where when you start to get into the rhythm of this as mm -hmm. well, in the beginning, it's going to be harder to get mm -hmm. 10 maybe out. So right. start with one or two, mm -hmm. and then you'll start to figure out, you know, what you do need to do to research. You know, my, you know, my assistant that reached out to you, he's got a process now. Right. He does go through mm -hmm. and he will, you know, mm -hmm. work a list on what are the podcasts mm -hmm. that we think are a good fit for, for mm -hmm. Christian. You know, he'll take a quick look and listen to some of them and, and figure out, okay, are mm -hmm. they a match or not? And right. I mean, mm -hmm. that does that process probably was taking him, uh, you know, a half hour to do in the mm -hmm. beginning. Now, to your point, you could probably get it done right. in five or 10 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, and it still comes across, you know, as, you know, okay, they, mm -hmm. they at least took some time to look mm -hmm. into it. I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit out and right. read the rest of the message versus mm -hmm. an instant delete. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, because we are busy, you know, and I don't care what we're doing, what level of business, any of those things. And, and so we skim and we look for something very quickly. You know, and, and, you know, whether it's the LinkedIn, hey, I want to connect with your request, you know, that's so generic. We're like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you know, or the, the things, you know, because we, we are very busy, but more importantly, whether it's our business or, you know, a multi gazillion dollar business, we do have a fiduciary responsibility when we're committing funds. So we want to make sure that we are good stewards of, of doing that. And, and so we're not going to waste time and certainly not money you know, and by just, you know, doing it very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. You know, uh, I was looking through your website and, and it's got great information. You know, you mentioned that you have a very specific niche. If you're not in that niche, there's still great information on the website, lots of good blog posts, things like that. So make sure that you look at it, but you have a process and we're not going to give all the secrets away because we do want people to contact you, but it's called 
PROPEL, and it's an acronym. So kind of tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So PROPEL is something that has been an evolution for me. Mm -hmm. It actually started, as I mentioned earlier, when I was uh, working with that sales consultant. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think in frameworks and processes and um, I was doing a lot of these different activities, but there was no like kind of way to connect it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to try to figure out how do I make something that seems like a logical process to bring mm-hmm. this all to life, right? So, um, so yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'm happy to share with your audience a, a little mm-hmm. bit about Propel. So it is an acronym, as you mentioned, and the, the first P of Propel is is what we call a pivotal problem. Right. And, we've and talked we talked a about bit, that a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. We've talked about that already is, is really trying to identify what are those urgent and important problems that you mm-hmm. can solve for a client and, mm-hmm. and starting right there. So whether mm-hmm. that be, I can target Gen Z or mm-hmm. I can, you know, help you mm-hmm. out with your, you know, sales and marketing efforts, mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be really zeroing in on that first and getting mm-hmm. crystal clear. And you probably can solve a lot of different problems for, mm-hmm. for, for clients, but starting to think through, um, you know, what can I do unique that's mm-hmm. different than others? Um, what are those that are urgent and important? Mm-hmm. And I and I say that because if it's not urgent for somebody to solve, then they're probably not going to take action, you know, right. on it. You know, mm-hmm. I think we we all have things in our lives that we know should get done. I should clean mm-hmm. out my closet, but there's no sense of urgency, mm-hmm. you know, behind it. So yeah, I can still cram on. a couple things in there. So exactly. <laughs> So that's the first step. The, the R of Propel is uh, what we call the right to win audience. So again, we started to talk about what are those right you know, categories of business? Mm-hmm. What are the right uh, types of companies? Who within those companies? What are the geographies? So, and we don't, we call it the right to win because we may want to win certain types of businesses, but we don't have the right necessarily to mm-hmm. win. And, and we really try to look at like, what is your past history and things like that, okay. that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The O of Propel is what we call offering value. So this is where it goes into, you know, understanding that philosophy of like, I'm going to give you something before I ask for something back. Mm -hmm. So in the case of like, say, Heineken, you know, an agency may reach out and say, you know, you know, hey, we've done some research. We think you might be experiencing this problem. We've got an interesting perspective on Mm -hmm. it, it, how we've solved it for some other companies. Mm -hmm. We'd be willing to maybe do like a free 30 minute workshop with Mm -hmm. you to unpack some of those ideas and maybe Mm -hmm. you get some value from it. We're not trying to charge you for it or anything like that, but we are looking again to try to build a relationship Mm -hmm. with those folks. And this is a way to do it. So Mm -hmm. Again, think through what do you have that, you know, obviously you don't want to give away the house, but what can Mm -hmm. you give that is a taste of what you can Mm -hmm. do for them to start that relationship, you know, off with them. Mm -hmm. So that's where the O comes in. The the next P of Propel is professional persistence. And we talked about this a little bit as well, Mm -hmm. where um, it's not going to probably come from one email or from one cold call. You have to continually reach Mm -hmm. out to them, but do it so in a very professional way. Mm -hmm. Again, working towards building a relationship. Um, the next part of Propel would be E, engaging messaging. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get into the areas of what we talked about, personalizing the message, uh, but really uh, understanding you know, that, you know, what is the problem that they're having and and writing something in, in, in short and concise. So this is something we didn't talk about as well that I see a lot of people make the mistake of when they're starting off with this is they are writing a novel. I know. Um, you get war and peace and you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, and that's again, it doesn't matter what it says, that's going to be an instant delete for somebody. So, you know, if you're sending out an email, you want to keep it under 100 words, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that can be challenging because there's a lot you want to say, you want to personalize the message, but, mm-hmm. you know, it really takes some strategy on your behalf to really kind of zero in on what are the most important things to say. Mm-hmm. And then also thinking ahead. You know, we like to map out the entire sequence of right. messages. If they because, respond, then what? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and if they don't respond, then what as mm-hmm. well? You know, so you don't have to say it all in the first message. Maybe you talk about one of your benefits in email number one, and then another benefit in email number two, and your third benefit in email number three. Mm-hmm. So you're not trying to cram everything mm-hmm. all into, you know, one message. Mm-hmm. So that's the E. And then the last part, L, is what we call launch and optimize in the mm-hmm. Propel model. So the idea of launch is obviously you got to send it out, but mm-hmm. you're going to learn. We're still learning ourselves. This is mm-hmm. what we do day in and day out. I've been doing it for years. Every client we work with is different. Every sector we work with is different. Um, th- things change seasonally. If we're reaching out in December, that mm-hmm. might be different than if we're reaching out in right. the summertime. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things. So you got to constantly be 
looking at what's working, what's mm-hmm. not working, and optimizing it. Um, if you think you're just going to, you know, set it and then forget it forever, you're, you, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to end up things are going to fall by the wayside. So right. just kind of, you know, being experimental, mm-hmm. A/B testing, um, and just having an open mind to trying mm-hmm. different things. Right. So that's kind of the, the Propel model. Mm-hmm. But we take all of our clients through it. And I just find it an easy way to just think about it from a sequential standpoint, mm-hmm. everything that needs to get done um, and just continually iterate mm-hmm. on that. Right. You know, and of course, the important thing is that you have that plan. And I think so many times we just go into this thinking, oh, hey, we're going to do this. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I joke about the fact that, you know, what do you, ha- what do you do when they request follow-up? I mean, you know, but that's, that is one of the biggest things is, you, you, you have to respond quickly. I mean, you know, you, if you're thinking, well, I'm going to think about, I need to think about what we're going to say. Nope. You've lost them um, because they got 20 other things on their plate and they're not going to remember you. So, you know, having that strategic plan in place, the, you know, and, and, you know, people are going to go about it in different ways. I mean, I've seen people who have flow charts, you know, the, uh, you know, the old, if then, you know, type of things and, and okay, if that's how your brain works, that's fine. But you need to have those next steps. Um, you know, you're, uh, years ago, when I was first deciding I was going to get into public relations, I was doing informational interviews. And I was, you know, this really was a very long time ago. And, and it's really funny because one of the first ones I got was um, I, I sent a, a, a physical letter. That's how long ago it was. Um, to a gentleman named Swede Johnson. And Swede was the director of marketing at Coors. I'm from Colorado. And, uh, and I honest to God, don't remember what I said in the letter, but his assistant called me and said, Swede would like to meet with you. Can you come to Coors? And of course I said, yeah, you know, after I got over there, <laughs> right. And, but, you know, then I had to stop and think, okay, what, why am I going? Why am I going to make it worth his time to meet with me? Um, you know, and, and he was, he was, you know, absolutely one of the most gracious people in the world. Um, unfortunately, he passed away several years ago. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, I mean, I went in and I said, I've never done this, but this is what I want to do. And he took pity on me <laughs> and, and picked up the phone and called three people and said, you need to meet with this person. And that's really how I started in PR. But yeah, my first response was to hyperventilate. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, but when I did go in, I knew exactly what I was going to say. Um, be, otherwise, I would have wasted everybody's time. And more importantly, he would, re- he would have remembered that. Um, you know, so having your ducks in a row, you, you absolutely have to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and a couple of things that I'll, I want to add on to that is you, you will probably mess things up the first time uh-huh. or two or three. Um, right. We all go through it. You know, mm-hmm. nobody gets on a bike and rides it mm-hmm. right away on the first time. You're mm-hmm. going to fall off a few times. Mm-hmm. So just understand that that's going to happen. Uh, so that's, again, a little bit of a mindset. Mm-hmm. But to your point about preparation, uh, you know, we, I use like kind of this analogy of baseball, uh, where mm-hmm. your first encounter with the prospect mm-hmm. is getting to first base. Right. But you need that first base is not a run in right. baseball. You need but a you've got to get there to start. How are you going to mm-hmm. get the runner then the second and the mm-hmm. third and then the home and having mm-hmm. a plan because it's not going to go, you know, from first or from home plate all the way. You're you're probably not going to get a home mm-hmm. run, you know, instantly. So right. having a plan in place and you know what again what part of what we do with our clients is thinking about if we are doing some sort of like a free audit or mm-hmm. a, you know, light workshop mm-hmm. or something that is the first base type of mm-hmm. offer. But then having in mind already a plan where, Hey, if this mm-hmm. seems to be going well, mm-hmm. we can do a full audit or we right. can do a full workshop mm-hmm. for you, or we can do a test project for mm-hmm. you. But having some of those in your back pocket before mm-hmm. you even meet with the the prospect. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on where that conversation goes, you can direct it mm-hmm. because if you are going to leave them to direct a conversation, that's when you a lot of times get, you know, those types of interactions where it's like, oh, this is a great meeting. You shake hands, you go your mm-hmm. separate directions and nobody right. ever hears. And from crickets, you never hear from them again. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to engineer, you know, mm-hmm. where you want this to go. Mm-hmm. And and keeping in mind, I don't know if you necessarily need a, a flow chart and, and all of that, but having a couple, you know, you know, 
you know, arrows in your in your quiver or whatever you right. cover, whatever analogy you mm -hmm. want to use on what direction you can mm -hmm. go. Um, but to keeping in mind that you're probably, especially with these bigger mm -hmm. deals, you probably won't get the full project, you know, mm -hmm. from the first meeting. There are right. a lot of different steps along mm -hmm. the way and understanding that is key and having a plan to get the runner to second to third in the home. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and and I, I I keep coming back to the fact that it is all about building those relationships. Um, you know, we we don't want to work with, spend time with, spend money with just Joe Schmo. Uh, you know, we we want to build those relationships, and and so you know, it's that really is to me that is just the most critical part of it. And remember, it's going to take time. You know, they're not going to they're not going to get out their proverbial virtual checkbook, right? Does anybody have a real one anymore? Um, it, it, on your first meeting, I, you know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and again, if you're talking about the bigger deals, there's usually a buying committee. You mm -hmm. might have that first individual that you meet with. Uh, you need to make them your champion uh, mm -hmm. and build that relationship with them. But then they are going to get other individuals mm -hmm. and you're going to probably have to pitch everybody else mm -hmm. again. So, you know, it is this evolution. But again, it, it goes back to, you know, having that the right mindset about building a relationship. And it also goes into the mindset of if that is your only deal mm -hmm. you have, like it's really hard to like not get so wrapped up to it mm -hmm. and, and and attached, you know, to it. But if you have multiple deals that you're working mm -hmm. at the same time, oh, if I don't if I don't get the Heineken mm -hmm. one, maybe I'll get the Coors one, or mm -hmm. you know. So it it, it but you got to put yourself out there mm -hmm. uh, in order to have that type of pipeline where you can have mm -hmm. that confidence that your all your eggs are not in one basket. Mm -hmm. Right, I love it. Well, oh my gosh, Christian, this is, has been so much fun and we, we should do it again because I think this is such great information for folks because it, you know, it, it really is, you know, maybe we don't want to have seven figure clients. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've talked to guests about is, you know, we have the fear of failure. There's also that fear of success, right? You know, the, oh my God, what if we get too big type of thing? Um, but, you know, and, and so maybe you don't want the seven figure, but you know, it's, it's, as you said, it's all good techniques for whatever it is that you're trying to do. And, and so, you know, I, I definitely want to chat with you again about this, but until then, you know, tell us more about how people find with you and what are the services that you provide? Yeah. So the best place to find me would be on the web. Uh, mm -hmm. ChristianBadak.com uh, is, uh, is, is the hub uh, and spoke, if you will, of everything. Um, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look me up there. I think I'm the only Christian Badak out there, but uh, you know, you'll, I'll let you decide that. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like what we do, uh, you know, we do, as I mentioned, primarily work with marketing agencies mm -hmm. and MarTech companies, but, you know, we work with other firms as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and essentially we have really two sides of the house. We have more mm -hmm. of a consulting practice where we can okay. advise, coach, help mm -hmm. you develop the same types of systems that mm -hmm. we talked about today. So you can do it internally on mm -hmm. your own. And then we have another side of the house where it's more of a done for you model where you may say, you know what, this is great. I know I need to be doing it, right. but, but I, I can't <laughs> or the knowledge to do it myself. Can we outsource it to you? And then we become more of a, a partner where we are an extension of your team mm -hmm. and we can work and get you those business meetings with those big companies and get you in the room. And then you mm -hmm. can go ahead and you can close it and sell and, and you know do the fun part that most people consider the, the pitch mm -hmm. and the close, if you will. Um, so, yeah, so that's really kind of the, the two sides mm -hmm. uh, of what we do, um, you know, for our clients and uh, to learn more, definitely, you know, check us out on the web. Uh, I have a free masterclass on there as well that uh, you could register for and uh, really kind of talks about this process in, in much greater detail. And it's totally free. Great. I love it. I love it. You know, and as I said, your website is a great resource. You know, there's lots of other fantastic information there. So, you know, if you are the do-it-yourselfer or the, oh my God, I have the don't have the budget to do that, or you know, something like that, go there and, and look at the information because it is very valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. And and feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well if you have a question about something. I I love build those relationships, that. people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Um, I do. Yeah, I would say, you know, as you're as you hear this, if you're a small business owner, um, or maybe you're looking to move on to another opportunity, um, I would just encourage you to have the confidence to uh, to do what we talked about today. Uh, you know, it may seem scary to up level and, and work with bigger clients. Maybe it's not a six or seven, but everybody can work at a step above. Everybody can maybe get a job opportunity that's, you know, maybe 
a little bit above where they think that they're at. So I can tell you, you know, a lot of it is imposter syndrome. Um, I'm sure in, in most cases that, you know, you have the ability to do it. You just need that opportunity. Um, but for some, you know, you need to make and create that opportunity. And, and I encourage you to take that first step and don't be scared uh, and, and just put yourself out there. Nothing, you know, you're not, if you, if you don't take the shot, you're not going to score. So. Great. I love it. Well, I can't wait to hear more about how your pickleball goes. Um, but more importantly, you know, I, I, we do want to have you on again because this is so critical for every size business. You know, doesn't matter what size of business, we can always use these tips to increase and improve and make our business even more successful. Um, so, you know, we we will. I look forward to the next time we talk. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a delightful conversation with Christian Binock. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>